From the cold heartland of America and the gateway to the West, good morning, good evening, wherever you may be across the nation, around the world. I'm George Norrie. This is Coast to Coast AM. Later tonight, the supernatural. Here's what's happening. Winter has arrived. A dangerous blizzard will become a bomb cyclone as it wallops the Midwest and Great Lakes this week. Damaging winds also spreading toward the East Coast and creating a travel nightmare for millions ahead of the Christmas holiday weekend. The winter storm will also usher in bitterly cold, life-threatening temperatures that will spawn a widespread flash freeze in the plains, Midwest and East, as heavy rain is followed by temperatures rapidly falling below freezing all the way down to Florida, which could see its coldest Christmas in more than 30 years. My gosh. President Biden's administration will send Patriot missiles to Ukraine for the first time on Wednesday. Today, as the Ukrainian President Zelensky visited Washington to address Congress, the Patriot missiles, the country's most advanced air defense system, will come as part of a $2 billion security and aid package for Ukraine. Zelensky left Ukraine to visit Washington, D.C. for the first time since Russia's invasion of his country began back in February. Congress has already approved $65 billion in aid for Ukraine, which we pay for, but lawmakers are now debating an additional $45 billion. Sales of existing homes in the United States slid for a 10th consecutive month in November, extending a record streak with mortgage rates high and inventory tight, according to industry data released today. Registered Investment Advisor Mish Shedlock with us. Mish, we're not out of the woods yet. Yeah, we've we've called this. We've talked about this for a year now, right, George? Yep, yep. Uh, down 10 months. They slid another 7.7%. But interestingly, this is the 129th consecutive month of year-over-year price increases. You know, prices... Well, actually, they're falling now, so these are median prices, so it's not really like a repeat sale like we've talked about for the Case-Shiller Home Price Indexes. Prices are falling, but the number of transactions on the low end are, are declining. People can't afford homes, so cash sales made 26% of the transactions in November. That's up from 24% a year ago. It's sort of a mixed bag, but it doesn't look good. If, if prices stay stubbornly high, then we're not going to have people buying homes. We're not going to have family formations. And, of course, when you buy a home, you buy appliances for the home, you, you uh, buy lawnmowers, you, you know, paintings, furniture, cabinets, all of that, that's, that's transactions that's not happening an interesting thing happened last week. The Philadelphia Fed came out. This is their report, their estimate, and they revised jobs lower by 1.2 million for the second quarter of this year. Now, the BLS and all the mainstream media, and we've talked about this, and I told you I don't believe these numbers. Well, the Philadelphia Fed went and looked at they looked at quarterly numbers. And they're looking at 95% of the data when they came up with this estimate for 1.2 million. The BLS, when they look at these monthly jobs report, they're just looking at 7% of the data. So it's highly likely when the BLS finally gets around to revising their numbers, which still isn't going to be until March, that they're going to take away jobs 
in the second quarter, and I think in the second half. So all of these, you know, amazing job reports we've been hearing, I didn't believe them, and I think this survey proves that I'm right. But I want to end on a good note. I want to wish you and uh, uh, all the listeners out there a very, very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, George. You too, Mish, and we'll talk to you next week, my friend. Just last night we were talking with David Dubine about the global shortage of grain. Listen to this story. Global seed maker Sygenta will release a new type of wheat developed with complex crossbreeding techniques in the United States next year, beating out rival companies that are also trying to develop higher-yielding wheat at a time of diminishing global grain supplies. The hybrid wheat, which combines positive traits from two parent plants, arrives after severe weather slash grain harvests in the Ukraine war disrupted shipments to hungry importers, sending prices to record highs this spring. Hybrid wheat. Would you eat that? Think about that. Americans' positive self-assessments of their mental health are now at the lowest in more than two decades, according to a Gallup poll. In all, 31% of U.S. adults describe their mental health or emotional well-being as excellent. It's the worst rating by three percentage points. Howard Bloom, author of The Global Brain, is with us. Howard, people aren't too happy right now, are they? Um, right now, uh, well, Gallup released that report today. Um, Gallup is one of the most respected polling organizations in America. Uh, it did a survey from November 9th to December 2nd, um, and the first line of the report was what you, exactly what you said, very discouraging. Uh, Gallup said that American self-reports of mental health are their worst in over 20 years. Gallup explains that we've hit a record low in the percentage of our population who say their mental health is excellent. In 2001, 43% of us described our mental health as excellent. That has plunged to 31%, a massive drop. Meanwhile, 24% of us say our mental health is only fair or poor. So why so much gloom, doom, and depression among us? Culprit number one is the pandemic. Boston University says that depression rates in the U.S. tripled when the pandemic first hit. Gallup says that it was eight months after the pandemic began that those who said their mental health was excellent plummeted nine points and hit its greatest low since the measure was first tracked in 2001. Yes, the COVID pandemic, with its lockdowns, social isolation, work from home, and school shutdowns, seems to be villain number one. It has been an extreme challenge to our mental health. Culprit number two, in Gallup's opinion, is what it calls economic concerns precipitated by the highest inflation rate in more than four decades. The Atlantic adds five other culprits gun violence, climate change, and the political environment, not to mention overprotective, overprotective parents and, of course, social media. What Gallup and The Atlantic do not say is that something remarkable is happening. The big companies that employ more than a third of us are going through what the high-prestige corporate consultancy firm McKinsey & Company calls a revolution in how they think about, talk about, and cope with all forms of mental health issues. McKinsey explains that a don't-ask, don't-tell approach to mental health in the workplace is being replaced by do-ask, do-tell, let's talk. More important, there's been a tectonic shift in the way insurance companies deal with mental health. Twenty-five years ago, if you had a mental health problem, you were on your own. Insurance companies would not pay for a visit to a therapist, much less for a therapist every week. That has changed. Starting with the Mental Health Parity Act of 1996, 
than increasing with Obamacare in 2010, insurance companies have made a turnaround. Today they realize that by paying for your visits to your therapist, they are saving themselves money. They know that if they can get your depression and burnout in hand, they can prevent expensive medical conditions such as diabetes, cancer, and coronary artery disease. The result, says McKinsey, is that between 2007 and 2017, the percentage of medical claims associated with behavioral health issues more than doubled, and the stigma that surrounds confessing to a mental health problem has changed radically. In some youth subcultures, announcing that you have PTSD or borderline personality disorder has actually become a badge of courage. One result is that according to Gallup, nearly one quarter of U.S. adults, 23%, report having visited a psychologist, therapist, psychiatrist, or some other mental health professional in the last 12 months. On average, we visit a health care professional 3.2 times a year. That is a remarkable change from the days when seeking professional help was regarded as a mark of shame. But the most amazing figure in the Gallup report is this. Despite COVID, isolation at home, predictions of an environmental apocalypse, and the war in the Ukraine, 75% of us describe our mental health as good or excellent. That's a major achievement, and let's hope we're not lying. All right, my friend. Enjoy yourself. Have a great Hanukkah, Mr. Bloom, and we will talk to you next week. In a moment, we'll be talking with the author of a book called Cause Unknown, The Epidemic of Sudden Deaths in 2021 and 2022. It is a very alarming story. Up next, Ed Dowd on Coast to Coast AM. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Let me introduce our first two-hour guest. Edward Dowd is currently a founding partner with Finance Technologies, a global alternative investment firm. He has worked on Wall Street most of his career, spanning both credit markets and equity markets. Some of the firms he worked for include HSBC, Donaldson, Lufkin, and Jendrette, Independence Investments, and most notably at BlackRock as a portfolio manager, where he managed a $14 billion growth equity portfolio for 10 years. After BlackRock, he founded Ocean Square Asset Management with a couple former BlackRock colleagues. He's written a book called Cause Unknown. The foreword of the book is written by Mr. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Ed, he's been on our program before, and welcome to you. Thank you so much for having me on, George. Appreciate being here tonight. This is an amazing story, but uh, to qualify... Let me ask you the first big question. How could a Wall Street guru, as good as you are on Wall Street, be writing a story about what we're going to talk about tonight? How did you uncover this? Well, you know, my whole career I spent uh, looking for trends before the rest of the investment community found them because most of the money that you can make uh, in a very big way is uh, um, threading the needle between perception and reality. And usually you uncover uh, trends, anecdotes, and then you form an investment thesis, and then you uh, look for uh, data sets to prove your thesis. So for me, I was very disturbed with what I was hearing early on in uh, the early days of uh, 2021 when I started hearing about sudden athletic deaths uh, of some of our fittest and healthiest, youngest people amongst us. And I also had uh, heard... uh, deaths in my circle, uh, you know, anecdotes of deaths and and disabilities beginning, you know, in 2021, the spring, uh, winter, a part of 2021. And I had a suspicion of what it was, but uh, I didn't have enough data at the time. So I made a commitment to myself to uh, 
analyze data sets as we roll through the year. And unfortunately, um, it's grim. The excess mortality and uh, disabilities are off the charts. And we, we had a big, in the book, I, I detailed what was an interesting mix shift from mostly old people who died in 2020 to uh, younger folks, working age folks, uh, between the ages of uh, 25 and 64, which is the, you know, the, the population workforce, mm-hmm. particularly amongst millennials, 25 through 44, they experienced very, very high excessive death rates. But that's what led me to write the book. Um, I have a thesis as to what's causing it. I'm sure you can guess what it is. Um, I, don't, uh, I don't pretend that uh, uh, it's definitive, but I believe it's definitive. Uh, and I lay out the case and walk people through the data. But first, I want to establish, is it true that athletes are dying at rates we haven't seen before 2021? And there's a study, uh, the, the Lausanne study. It's a 38-year study that documented 1,100 such cases over a 38-year period globally. You know, people dying on the field or close to the field uh, under age 35 uh, athletes. And that's the average, that comes out to about 29 per year. Um, we've been lucky since 2021 and 2022 to have a month with just 29 sudden athletic deaths. In the book, I document well over 550 in, in, in the uh, front pages, and then there's a compendium with just you know, uh, story after story. These are mostly local news stories, and we did a vetting process, and we had a methodology to make sure that, A, they happened after uh, 2021, and, B, uh, they were uh, under age 45, and, and, and C, that... Uh, they, they you know, it was cause unknown or, you know, died suddenly. Uh, and, you, and the thing to realize is when you, when you fall to the ground on the athletic field, there are usually medical professionals there to resuscitate you. Pretty, pretty fast, too. Yeah. And despite that, these people are still dying. So uh, the, the bottom line is it is true. So something different is going on in 21 and 22. And it's not just athletes, unfortunately. It, it started showing up in the insurance company data, the funeral home data. It's showing up in the CDC numbers, the, the, the death numbers, and then showing up in uh, the UK ONS data and the uh, Eurostat da- data and uh, also in Germany, Australia. So there's excess deaths uh, in, the, in the Western world that are off the hook. And, uh, you know, it, it's, 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 I'll just leave it there and you can ask some questions, but I can sure. get into the data and just kind of roll you through what I think. Yeah, and then towards the moment of the end of the segment with you tonight, we're going to ask you specifically what you think is causing this and why, and we'll talk about those possibilities. But how did you go about, you mentioned some sources, but how did you go about collecting the data? So, you know, uh, I, I, um, I, I, I met up with uh, some people who uh, got my media profile up in, uh, when I was doing anti-mandate uh, vaccine mandate protests on Maui. I live in Maui. And uh, my media profile, was, I had a good following on Twitter, and I started getting on some independent media shows to talk about the data that I was seeing. And, and, and I announced early on in uh, uh, one of the programs I went on that I, you know, I wanted to be a lightning rod for people that were insiders, whistleblowers, to help me uh, with my thesis. And one of the first people who approached me was uh, Josh Sterling, who's come public since uh, his anonymous days. He was a former number one ranked uh, institutional investor, Wall Street insurance analyst, worked for Sanford Bernstein. And uh, he spent seven years there writing research reports and, uh, you know, uh, selling the research to 
the Wall Street uh, investment firms who used him uh, quite extensively. He had quite a number of relationships with insurance companies and what have you. And he offered to help me analyze uh, the insurance company results. And early on in January of uh, 2022, uh, one of the CEOs from uh, a company known as One America, Scott Davison, on a Chamber of Commerce uh, conference call, let it slip that they were experiencing 40% excess mortality, uh, particularly amongst younger working-age people in their group life policy uh, uh, business. And, you know, he put, he, he, in his own words, said this, a 10% excess mortality is a three-standard deviation event and a once-in-a-200-year flood. 40% is off the charts. Right. So, so something happened to the young folks in 2021, and it continues into 2022, that did not happen in 2020. What have they been saying, Ed, has been the cause officially to these deaths? So the, the, what I've heard as pushback to what my, we'll, we'll reveal later on, the pushback is that, is that well, Ed, um, you know, there's a, uh, there's a, uh, a death of despair. Suicide rates are up. Drug overdoses are up, and then, of course, the lockdowns prevented people from getting their cancer screening uh, uh, appointments, and so that's why we have these deaths. Well, that's an interest. Those are three interesting things. Okay, so well, that, that's not very definitive, though, to us, is it? No, it's not. It's not very definitive. Uh, there doesn't seem to be any uh, interest in doing studies on what the actual cause is, and uh, I don't know if you've. Uh, heard lately or seen in the in the newspapers, there's a new syndrome called sudden adult death syndrome that's mysteriously appeared in 21 and 22. Mm-hmm. Prior to 2020, we did not have this. Um, other other things uh, that are being blamed is what the, this uh, term called long COVID, um, which curiously enough, George doesn't have a clinical definition yet. I find that interesting. Usually, if there's a mysterious disease uh, called long COVID uh, wiping out younger people, I think it would behoove us to actually define it and get, get a definition sure. of what it is. Absolutely. It's, it's but kind of... here's the smoking gun for me. I'm, I'm an analyst, and I, you know, we look at rates of change. And uh, Josh and I discovered in March uh, with just CDC numbers, the CDC didn't really um, do a good job of presenting the data on their page. They clumped the whole population in all ages together. Are they accurate numbers, though, Ed? Oh, 100% accurate numbers. And I have a second data set I'll reveal that verified our numbers uh, this August. So we were first two guys on the Internet analyzing the CDC. Um, but what we discovered was this. when we, we were able to get the CDC data and break it down by age cohort and develop uh, actuarial baselines with, uh, of what you know, normal, normal deaths were prior to covid and got a five-year average, of, and that's how we calculated excess mortality. Well, what we found with the millennial age group, uh, 25 through 44, there, you know, obviously there was an excess mortality spike into the end of 2020, and then it kind of came back down as the seasonal uh, you know, winter went away. And it, kinda, it was kind of hovering around 30%, uh, you know, the April, May, June time frame. And then uh, into the third quarter of 2021, it rose at what we call an, an accelerated rate of change. It looked like a growth stock chart taken off, taken off and breaking out from its trend. And it went to 84% excess mortality into the months of August, September, and October. And I posit that we all know something happened in August, September, and October 
uh, that uh, especially to the working age people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I posit that the, there was a you know what we call mandates, but we can get into that later. But with that temporal spike uh, in uh, of death into the third quarter, it's hard to say argue that. You know, there was a suicide pact amongst working age people. Uh, hold on for a second, Ed. We'll talk more about this in a moment. Uh, his book is called Cause Unknown. His website is linked up at coasttocoastam.com. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with Ed Dowd. His book is called Cause Unknown, the Epidemic of Sudden Deaths in 2021 and 2022. And as you got into this and you looked at the deaths, did they kind of like dodge the reason why these people had died? And how many people are we talking about in, in these couple of years, Ed? Well, uh, in, in 2020, there was about a half million excess deaths, mostly old. And then in 2021, it was about a half million excess deaths, but it was a huge mix shift from old uh, to young. And just to give you an example, the millennials in 2020 experienced 40,000 excess deaths, but in 2020, and, and that's 2020, Pre, uh, pre-miracle vaccines. In 2021, they experienced uh, 60,000 excess deaths. And Gen X uh, experience didn't fare much better. Uh, they had something like 90,000 deaths in uh, 2020, then 120 some odd thousand deaths in 2021. So uh, old people died less in 2021. Young people died more in 2020. Uh, in, uh, in 2021, so. which is highly unusual, highly unusual. Um, let's just let's just let's state some facts. Uh, we we know in 2020 that it was determined that young people were not at risk. Uh, the old with comorbidities seemed to be dying, and uh, that was a well-established fact. And then mysteriously in 2021, that that flipped and became uh, a, what we call it in, on Wall Street an adverse mix shift. And uh, insurance companies actually had not not really bad results in 2020, especially in, this, in the early parts of 2021, Q1 of 21, because when old people die, they've already paid into their insurance policy, and, and uh, they're not really employed uh, under the group life umbrella. They, if they had whole life, that's their own individual policy. And so it, they didn't take a big bottom-line hit, but they started taking bottom-line hits in the third and fourth quarter of 2021, and it continues into 2022. And uh, the group life, uh, let me explain a little bit. At the end of the last segment, I said uh, there was a temporal rate of change in the third quarter. And and it's hard to explain that uh, the millennials decided in a three-month period to have uh, more suicides than normal and uh, also overdose on drugs more than normal and also missed their cancer screening treatments more than normal. So there was an event. So you can't rule it out. You can't rule it out, but coincidentally... All three put together are kind of tough to. It's weird, to, you know. It it, it starts to, it, it starts to uh, statistically become very improbable. But what's even more interesting is so we we discovered that data in March of 2022. In August, as I was writing the book, um, one of my uh, insurance uh, uh, industry whistleblowers forwarded me a report by the Society of Actuaries. This is a industry group that does group survey reports for different lines of business. And they did their group life survey, which covered about 80% of the revenues and uh, calculated the claims and excess deaths. And what they discovered was in 2021, in their 
in their policy, uh, let me just back up a second, describe what group life is. These are policies that are given to entry-level employees when they onboard their Fortune 500 companies and or mid-level companies. They're generally speaking one to two extra salary if you die. And you, um, it's a freebie. It's kind of like one of those benefits you get along with health care. I did this many times. I signed my uh, my uh, beneficiary form and then uh, named a beneficiary and signed it. And it, you know, it's kind of one of those things you never thought about. And to get to get a claim, you need to be actually employed at the firm. So let's let's roll forward to this report in August that came out this year. Uh, they said in 2021, ages 25 through 64 experienced 40% excess mortality in this 80% uh, revenue survey. That's huge. Huge, huge. Now, what's even more interesting, George, is they did a study in 2016 that they they obviously knew the answer to because this is why these policies are so good. They found out that that, that on average, group life policy holders tend to die at a rate of 30 to 40 percent that of the uh, uh, general population in any given year. And that makes total sense, right? They're, Mm -hmm. They're employed. They're able bodied. Uh, they tend to be younger, they tend to be well-educated, they tend to have access to the best health care. So that was an established fact in a 2016 study that's in my book. I reference it, and you can go find it. Um, in 2021, the Society of Actuaries reported in September that that relationship flipped. I just said that they had 40% excess mortality. The general U.S. population had 32% excess mortality. So eight-point differential, the group life uh, folks seem to have uh, a worse time of it in uh, 2021. And uh, so that, that, that just says something needs to be investigated baseline. Something is affecting uh, the employed population more so than the general population. And the civilian labor force is about 164 million, but the actually, actual employed population is about 100 million. And the group life policy holders are a subset of that. So uh, there's something going on with just that data set. Well, let, me, let me ask you this, though. If you know, if you know, based on all the deaths that were recorded in 21 and 22, do we know the percentage of those dead people, how many might have been vaccinated against COVID-19? In the U.S., we do not. In the U.S., we do not have an exact number. The data is, is not good. Um, and in, in fact, I will tell you, George, that insurance companies are uh, quietly forming a coalition to get access to that data t- because they're suspicious. They don't, they're not, and it's not t- being talked about in, in open circles, but I know for a fact that's going on. And they're going to, if the government doesn't give that data, they'll probably form a coalition to sue for that data. Do we know, how, do we know how many of these people, so we don't know about the vaccinations, do we know how many of these people might have had covid um, it's, it's, uh, if, if it's a lot of the, early on, the insurance companies stated that it was COVID deaths. They're now saying in the most recent quarterly reports, they're saying that excess death is COVID and indirect COVID and non-COVID. So there's, they're using different terminology and codes, but they don't have the numbers. They want the numbers and they need the numbers because they're mispricing their policies right now. They're taking losses. Sure. So, so, so they're aware of this. They're not publicly stating what they think the cause is. There are uh, uh, people trying to get some of these individuals to come forward. We haven't done that. We haven't been able to do that yet, but I think that's coming. Um, you know, let me t- so I just told you that this healthy group 
in the society of actuaries experienced higher excess mortality. Let's roll over to disabilities, another problem that seems to be occurring in the U.S. So there's a database called the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, and this is all documented in my book, uh, that, you know, it's, it's, a, it's the monthly employment report. Uh, uh, these people that do the monthly employment report also ask survey questions about disabilities, and they ask, are you disabled or is someone in your home disabled and unable to work? Well, that number on an absolute basis is running between 29 and 30 million the prior four or five years to COVID. And then uh, it actually went down during COVID. We suspect due to lockdowns uh, because, uh, because there was less activity and accidental things that went on. But then around February, between February and May of 2021, it took off and uh, went to a new all-time high. And the absolute number as of September of 2022 hit a new high of uh, 33.2 million. And it's come down a little bit in October and November, but the trend is still not good. It hasn't broken trend. And um, when we examine the data, and, and we, you can slice that data uh, from this database by um, total population, civilian labor force, and those employed. And what we found, curiously, was that the employed population experienced a 26% increase in their disability rate versus an 11% increase in the disability rate of the general U.S. population. And the amount of employed people that became disabled between uh, February of 21 and uh, uh, September of 22 is about 1.2 million people. That's a big, big number. And why is that a big number? Because uh, there's only about 98 to 100 million employed. That would, that, and you can see how that can roll into mysterious labor shortages. That sure. would These are people who can't work. So that's why a guy like me, a Wall Street guy, is interested in this because they're numbers. You're a numbers guy. I'm a numbers guy. And so if I'm right and correct, it has implications for the uh, global economic growth because this has occurred in other countries. Now, the, so, C- the CDC reported that in August of this year, of the COVID deaths, 58% of them were vaccinated. Now, that's pretty high. That's, that's not a good number. And what, we, what, what do we know now, George? We, it, it, it's, it's, it's absolute fact that uh, these um, uh, inoculations were advertised as both safe and effective and that uh, we had many of our health officials, including uh, President Biden, state clearly that if you took the vaccine, you would not get COVID and you would not transmit COVID. That's not true. That's not true, and that's not even close to true. And the story or the narrative changed to, well, I'm glad I had the shot because it would have been much much worse and I would have been hospitalized, which there is no data for that, actually. There's no peer-reviewed study that I've found. Could be accurate, but who knows, right? You you don't have the data. We don't have the data, and and anybody who has a peer-reviewed study they want to put forth, I'd love to see it because, you know, that might change my opinion, but I haven't seen that yet. Now, you're not an epidemiologist. You're not a medical professional. Have you come under fire because of your thoughts about this in the book, Cause Unknown? I'm kind of left alone. Uh, you, you know, the AP and Reuters early on in March fact-checked me, and they said that uh, our experts say he's wrong. That was the fact-check. It really, there really was no counter-argument, and there was um, they they threw the three things I, I I told you earlier. You know, suicides, overdoses, and uh, missed cancer screening treatments. Um, you know, this is uh, not, it hasn't really become a problem for me because, you know, I'm an investor. I have a First Amendment right to present this thesis. I don't have a doctor's license to, to go after or a bar license to take away. So I'm, I'm just kind of 
doing what I would do on Wall Street. And uh, the firm that I recently formed with the two gentlemen who are PhD uh, physicists and helped me compile some of the data in the book, um, we're you know trying to raise capital to uh, invest according to the reality we see, and we're seeing good interest. Uh, we haven't secured a seed yet, but we have a ton of people wanting to talk to us. So this is this is what um, Wall Street does. You come up with a thesis, and capital, money capital, will uh, look at it, and we have some smart investors that are looking to, to invest with us because they agree with our thesis. Well, there's, there's one thing that there is no question about. The deaths have increased over the last couple of years. We know right. that. that that's, that's just true. Interesting take. And what's interesting, George, is, you know, um, I remember in 2020, uh, the, the body count was on the CNN ticker as well as the case count. And now um, there seems to be crickets across the globe from our health authorities about what appears to be a, a horrendous excess death and disability. And it doesn't really uh, seem to be a problem now. In fact, it, it uh, is explained away or not even mentioned. And a lot of these athletic uh, deaths in my book that you can verify yourself will put Q- QR codes that will link you to the local news story. What's interesting about it is these are local news stories. They never really make it national. So there seems to be a, a disconnect between reality and perception at the moment, which is what uh, investors like myself take advantage of. You met a senator in Washington, D.C. What was that all about? Senator Ron Johnson has been suspicious of the COVID uh, pandemic response. He's been uh, talking about early treatment and how that was um, uh, prevented from uh, being effectively used in 2020. He now has concerns about um, the vaccine program. And he uh, reached out to me and invited me to come to Washington to just present the numbers and the facts and and state that what I've noticed, and I said to him in my four-slide presentation, I, I, I said to him privately that I believe there's, this is a national security issue because if I'm correct, um, there seems to be uh, a problem with the most able-bodied amongst us in the military employed, and there seems to be a, something that's affecting them that's not affecting everybody else. And I believe it's the vaccines, obviously, but if, uh, if, if I'm wrong, what is it then, and why does no one seem to care? And in my book, I conclude with the statement that, look, I've told you what I think. I'm not going to get into the who or why because that's not helpful. It's true. This is happening. I believe it's the vaccines. If it's not, please offer another explanation. But what we do know is that our health authorities uh, across the globe and our global governments seem not to want to talk about this. And it's, you know, in in my opinion, it's it's negligence and uh, malfeasance to not even discuss what's going on silently to the employed populations of the globe. It's very strange. But but you're you're right. We need accurate data in order to come up with some specific conclusions about this. And I I would I would. And Senator Johnson, I posed a question to him. Uh, I ended I ended my statement to him with the following that Denmark uh, had some of the most egregious excess deaths across the board. Their excess deaths in 2020 were exceeded in 2021 and in 2022, and excess deaths went up every year for every age cohort in their country. And while I was writing the book, they suspended the vaccine program for under 50 and stated uh, it's better to get COVID than the vaccine. So you can do with that information what you want. And I posed to Dr. Uh, Senator Johnson, uh, why is it that uh, some of the other countries seem to be backing away from this, and why are we not? And why do we continue to push it? And he said, good question.
So it's a question that I'm raising. I could be wrong. I don't think I am. Uh, capital's coming my way, and if I'm proven wrong, I'd be more than happy to say that I'm wrong. But- Ed, we're going to come back, final hour to go with you. We're going to take phone calls next.